You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To He's up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! And welcome to Hardwood Radio, Ben. This week, the subject and topic for this show just fell out of the sky, just fell out from heaven. So many things to talk about this week. You know what's so great about the NBA? One of the many reasons why I like it so much better than the other sports leagues is that every season, at one point, there's someone pouring, pouring like crazy poison in the water. And suddenly, everybody starts asking, starts going crazy, doing stupid, weird things that nobody understands. And for this year, it was this week. Like, it was the craziest week of the year and the most fun for NBA fans by far. The Cleveland Cavaliers, there was a great game yesterday. There's been people that are getting uh, inquired by the league and suspended by their team. Let's just start by the Cavs freaking firing their coach, David Blatt, out of nowhere. And they are 30. They were 30 and 11. They're 31 yeah. and 12 now. He is literally the most successful coach in all sports to ever get fired. So what happened? Uh, let's just start there. Why did why did they fire him? This needs a little bit of explanation. The, yeah, a uh, lot. Like not a little, <laughs> a lot. David Blatt was hired about two months before uh, Kevin, before uh, LeBron James decided to go back to Cleveland. Uh, going uh, back to Miami was very much in play back then. He was hired because he they wanted him to coach a Andrew team Wiggins, of, right? of young... Uh, Drew Wiggins. Uh, no, not even. I don't think the... the um, I don't think the, yet, yeah. the draft lottery was even done. I think it was before the draft lottery. There was Kyrie Irving. There was Dayon Waiters, uh, Tristan Thompson. He wanted uh, uh, the, the owner Dan Gilbert wanted a uh, coach with a system to be able to rein in all these young talents. So they hired David Blatt, but then LeBron James came back, and really he was just a bad fit for David Blatt, and uh, they tried to run Blatt's offense, which is a Princeton offense, which has yet to be run in the NBA. They tried to run it for like three games, maybe. I remember like in the first game last year uh, of, uh, of the Cavaliers, they, uh, Kevin Love was begging LeBron James to run plays. He was like, run it, run it, run it. And James would just not run David Blatt's plays. So and was he just a figurehead? I don't think so. Uh, I think he bailed him out of trouble, uh, defensively speaking, uh, a lot in the playoffs last year. But, you know, whenever it was things were going great, everybody praised LeBron. Whenever things were going wrong, everybody uh, screamed at David Blatt. It's a great, it's a great thing for the coach. The, the, the best, the, the biggest beneficiary of that move is David Blatt. Yeah, he's going to get another job somewhere and probably get a raise. 
And you know what? He was. I didn't know that, but he was hired prior to uh, his Cleveland gig. He was hired to be associate head coach for the Golden State Warriors. Well, there you go. <laughs> and the Warriors, there were the Warriors had to find them another uh, another associate head coach for that season, which was Alvin Gentry. And where is Alvin Gentry today? He's coaching the New Orleans Pelicans. So he's a value coach. I think he was never given the choice or the chance to uh, uh, to show what he could do. But it's going to be, uh, honestly, he's going to be the biggest beneficiary. And there's already teams talking about hiring him. So basically, it's LeBron's fault. So basically, it's because LeBron came back, he changed literally all the plans that uh, the Cavaliers have for the next two, three years. LeBron coming back changed everything. And maybe that's why we're seeing not necessarily the result that we're expecting because they're just playing it by ear. They're trying to figure out what they're doing at the same time as they're doing it. Well, LeBron is playing it by ear, definitely. But um, <laughs> they have, like, the coaching, I don't think, was the problem. Here's the craziest thing. I've heard, I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski that released that in an article, that David Blatt was fired because he lost his locker room after Christmas game. I don't know if you remember when we talked about Christmas game. It was the best game the, the Cavaliers played all year. Um, he, apparently, the issue was that he benched, um, he benched uh, Chris, uh, uh, Richard Jefferson and um, Mo Williams, which are two uh, veterans, without telling them because he wanted more defense. But you know what? They held the Warriors to 89 points in that game. I thought the result spoke for itself. I thought like the two veterans, instead of raising hell, they should have shut up and accepted their fate. But so that doesn't make any sense to me. That screams to me that the um, Cleveland Cavaliers are just not ready to make the sacrifices necessary to win. And I don't think Tyron Lue is going to change that, of all people. No, exactly. LeBron needs to be a cog in the machine, not the head of the machine and not controlling who's the coach of this team. It's an interesting analogy. I think he needs to be the head cog of the machine, the biggest cog. I think the uh, whatever LeBron is implicated, it should revolve around him. But uh, he cannot I coach know. this team too, right? That's what I'm know, saying. Exactly. He should. And there was this structure um, in uh, Miami, which was headed by Pat Riley, which must have caused some frustration to LeBron because there's not the structure doesn't exist in Cleveland, and he's pretty much calling the shots. But Coaching is not their problem. They have a personnel issue, which leads me to a, a very interesting quandary the Cleveland Cavaliers are caught in. They need to find another scapegoat. They have a scapegoating culture, and they need to find another scapegoat to blame their uh, problems on. And who is the best scapegoat, you think? Uh, Kevin Love. Most likely, yes, because Kevin Love is getting destroyed defensively by every team um, when they work. Yes? Just before we started this show on Tim and Sid, I was watching today on Sportsnet. They were talking about how Kevin Love is basically, his time is, yeah, counted with the Cleveland Cavaliers, just like you were saying, because of the fact that he's a scapegoat, but because, too, he's, a, he's an asset to this team that this team under new management can maybe play differently where he is expandable to get a piece that would help this team down at the end of the season, especially in the playoff. Because let's face it, LeBron needs help in the playoff. He's okay to get the team there, but it's well in the playoff to beat... Well, it's going to be in the final to beat either San Antonio or to beat freaking Golden State. He's going to need help. 
That is very interesting because the, the reason why um, Kevin Love is an, is an expandable asset is that he basically plays the same position as LeBron James. LeBron James is a combo forward. He can play small forward, power forward, and Kevin Love needs needs to have the ball. He needs a power forward who needs to have the ball in order to succeed. And right now, he's used as a spot-up shooter, and it's underutilizing him greatly. Um, he, he will never have his touches in Cleveland, and Cleveland will never get the full benefits of having Kevin Love because he just doesn't fit next to LeBron James. Yeah, and it's so surprising too because if you go back a couple of shows ago when we did a, who's, who are going to be the coaches getting fired, David Blatt was not one of those names. So oh, I, I did so not surprising. expect that. I did not expect that. Um, one interesting thing I've heard this week uh, because Kevin Love is going to be a very difficult asset to move because of his salary. He's owed uh, over 90 millions for the next five years. Ouch. Uh, who is going to take that salary? There's one. Um, there's one uh, tr trade hypothesis I've heard by Zach Lowe from ESPN that makes a lot of sense to me. It was Kevin Love to Boston for Jay Crowder and uh, David Lee's expiring contract. Now that makes sense because if you guys, if you guys at home don't know who Jay Crowder is, he is the best. Two-way forward next of Paul next to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard today in the NBA, and he is basically an off-the-ball guy. He could help. He could help LeBron. He could uh, he could be taking uh, three-point shots on the perimeter right next to LeBron after getting a sweet pass. He is basically what the Cavaliers need. He is a functional cog right next to LeBron James, and David Lee would just be salary booster. To make to to have um, uh, the Celtics being able to absorb Kevin Love, and Kevin Love would be the number one offensive option that the Celtics have been needing for three years now. No, exactly. And one thing that's really fascinating to me too, Ben, is uh, when a team changes coaches, uh, the reaction the first, second, three games after the coaching change oh my God. is really interesting. And usually there, people are like, oh, they're going to win a couple games, a coach bump. And statistically speaking, me and Dwayne are our soccer shows. We, we did a lot of uh, research on mm -hmm. different sports. And there's statistically, the coach bump doesn't exist. And if you look at the Cavs game after, well, they lost to Chicago. So another proof that the coach bump doesn't exist. It was terrible. Like, these guys look completely lost on defense. Not only Kevin was Love, worst. but Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was getting eaten alive by um, uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was, like, basically chew him, out and, uh, chew him up and spit him out. Um, they looked a lot better against Minnesota. Uh the, the following game, but the, the personnel was different. Like they didn't have the defensively gritty Chicago Bulls to wear them down. But yeah, it was a terrible game, and social media was on fire with uh, Tyron Lue jokes after the game. <laughs> no, exactly. And just before we move on to talk about the Cavs, uh, I mean the San Antonio and the Golden State Monday. There's a team that has a record in sight, probably one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. I'm catching you off guard here, but uh, mm. the Raptors are doing a great job right now. I think it's eight win in a row, oh, yeah. and they're uh, getting hot at the right time with Cal Lowry now voted to the All-Star Game too. Uh, the Raptors is second in the Eastern Conference behind the Cavaliers, 29-15, only two and a half games back. Uh, if the Cavaliers don't 
put things in like the one right in the ship, that's not that bad actually. But if they don't ride the ship, the Raptors can be the surprise right now. I was thinking about this while I was walking home after work. If there's a team that is gritty and defensively strong enough to create problems for the um, Cavaliers, it's the uh, it's the uh, Raptors. They might be missing uh, alpha male down low, the big guy at the post, in order to uh, create uh, problems for LeBron James. But you know what? The, the Chicago Bulls have made Taj Gibson available all the season long. So a tra- quick trade for Taj Gibson. And I like the Raptors' chances against uh, the, uh, the Cavaliers. They would not be making, uh, they would not be sweeping them, but trying their luck in a seven game series, I, I like them. I might put $20 on them. <laughs> Now, and uh, moving on to the game Monday night, our featured game last week in the show, where we were expecting a close game. We're expecting to be a just a preview of what it looked like. And if it's a preview, well, nobody's going to stop Golden State. <laughs> if it's a no. preview, like they won by 30 freaking points against the second best team in the league. It was the worst defeat. Uh, in like San Antonio's in, history or recent in, history at least? In three years. There was their go. worst defeat in three years. What blew my mind is that uh, Steph Curry had shot 9 out of 10 against Kawhi Leonard. Triple nobody, nobody shoots 9 out of 10 against Kawhi Leonard. Uh, LeBron James doesn't shoot a good percentage against Kawhi Leonard. And the, Curry just spun him over all night long. He was... He, he just... Kawhi just could not handle Curry's precision and quickness. It was a thing of beauty. Like I was in awe. Like I, it was one in the morning, and I was looking at my screen, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was looking at stats today too, Ben, and thirty point three points average per game for Steph Curry. Yes. When's the last time have you seen consistently a guy with over thirty point average? It's it's just mind boggling to me. It's just wow, thirty point average. That's like day in day out. Well, it's a mind blowing number to me. There was Kevin Durant, I think, two years ago, but it was an anomaly too. Like, like before Kevin Durant, you have to go way back, I think, to Tracy McGrady or something like that. And, and even like, like the guys, is, we like to talk about Jordan and stuff. Even Jordan didn't have a lot of 30 average in a season. Usually it was closer to the 29, 28 point something, but over 30, it's like a mental barrier. It's rare you see an over 30 point per game average in the NBA. I remember two freaky years that Jordan had, I think 91 and 92, where he had, where he averaged 37 and 35. That's, but that's, otherwise, crazy. that's crazy. Otherwise, yes. But uh, the Warriors were extremely impressive uh, last night. And what what blew me away was the how prepared they were for the, uh, the Spurs set. Every time the Spurs put the ball, uh, threw the ball down low to one of their big guys, the big guys got swarmed. Their pockets got picked, yeah. and they were they were like break a uh, fast break all the time, and they wore the Spurs down. The Spurs were not ready to handle the Warriors' pace, and they were left completely. Uh, 
they were left confused after the game. No, and it's a shot across the bow, too, I think, by Golden State saying, look, buddies, if we're facing in the finals of the conference, you're in for a big trouble. Can you keep up that pace for seven games? Chivira can keep up for one. Uh, yeah, it, it's quite a statement. I know it's a cliche to say it was a statement game, but... Uh, oh, it was a statement game. It Golden, was totally... Yeah, Golden State literally made a statement to the entire league saying, look, we're here, we're the best, we're still the favorite, no matter who's behind us. And I saw that stat today. They have exactly the same record than the 72 and 10 Bulls uh, after 45 <laughs> games. They, both teams were 41 and 4. They only um, still have four defeats. That's my bargain. They yeah. only lost three times since the last time we did a show with them undefeated a month and a half ago. No, it is. Uh, they're just like on another level right now. The Spurs will adjust. The Spurs had uh, a lot of data to work with last night because the Warrior did not hold back one second. The Spurs will adjust. They will make it more competitive next time. But can they handle this crazy pace with their old legs? I just don't know. Nope. It's going to be quite, quite an interesting topic looking into the deep in the season, heading into the playoff to see where Golden State is compared to, to San Antonio. Because let's face it, the two best teams in the league, both in the Western Conference, if everything goes according to predictions, those two teams easily will make it to the conference finals. And it will be maybe a blowout. It will be quite an interesting series. But if Golden State replicates what they did, if they actually found something, if they know how to... Maybe they have the number of San Antonio. That's the thing. And now that Steve Kerr is back, they have their their backbone literally to say that I don't want to make a bad uh, back back injury joke with Steve Kerr, but their backbone is back. And uh... Steve, Steve Kerr is such a uh, is such an asset for them. He's such a smart guy, and he's such a good uh, play caller. He's he's really and he's learned a lot for both Greg Popovich. And Phil Jackson as a player. So he is in the discussion right now. He's probably going to get coach of the year if uh, this continues right now. No, exactly. Because we all know, even though he was not there at the beginning of the season, mm -hmm. it's still his blueprint. It's still his uh, his system, his his intentions as a coach. And he was still probably in contact with the regular coach. Too. Oh, clearly, clearly. So clearly, it's he doesn't just come back and everything changes. No, it's a continuity. It's a, When he was gone, it was a continuation of his work while he was away. And the guys are happy he's back. And they're playing gleefully. They're so playing positive. with joy. It's so positive. Uh, when, I, when I think about Golden State, when I look them play, I look at them, every interaction between the players, media, it's so positive and it's refreshing to see a sports team like this. Oh, yeah. Basically, yeah. Even their cockiest member, they're joking with the media. Draymond Green is having fun with their journalists out there. And I was hearing uh, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, who is their beat reporter for ESPN. He, he, was telling, he was telling the guys, keep poking fun at him, but... That's what makes the culture of Golden State. They're, they're a very, very much unique team. We're far from the Marshall Lynch of this world with Golden State. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's very interesting. Uh, there was a couple of trades, uh, but the first one in 2016, John Smith goes back to Houston. Uh, we expected Houston to move. Maybe not the pizza we're expecting to come back to Houston. What can you tell me about that trade? Josh Smith, yes. He, uh, Josh Smith, he is the player I've seen sabotage his own career the quickest. He signed, I think, three years ago a four years, $60 million contract with um, the uh, Detroit Pistons. And then that guy started thinking he was Larry Bird. He started shooting some threes, even if it's not what he was hired for. He, I think he shot for 23% uh, 
uh, all season long and they just bought him out. They were tired of his shit and they just bought him out. And now he was he he finished last year with Houston. He was not satisfied with his role. And then he went to Los Angeles and now he's going back to Houston for a song, basically, for a player that was drafted in 2004, who has wow. never played in the NBA, and who will never play in the NBA, who has no interest in playing in the NBA. Basically, he was traded against a, a bag of basketballs. Uh, <laughs> I hope they were good balls. Oh, probably. He was, I think, um, James Harden and Dwight Howard asked for Daryl Morey to trade back for him, because I don't think Morey was very interested in having uh, Josh Smith, but in order to help the cohesion of his team, which was the big problem this season, he probably made the move, and it cost him nothing. So, yeah, he not? has uh, <laughs> he has nothing to and and for the Clippers, it's addition by subtraction. Before we talk about quickly about the NBA All Star starters, because it's both both of us are not necessarily quite that excited about the All Star game going into Toronto, because <laughs> well, it's an All Star game. What do you want to talk about? But uh, your prospect of the week, it's uh, you fell in love basically last weekend. Yes, sir. Well, I was already pretty much gung ho about like, that kid. You, but you were smitten, but you literally fell in love this weekend. But I saw I saw him play last Saturday, Brandon Ingram from Duke. He. Uh, he is basically a 6'9", 190-pound forward. He's very thin, which uh, sparks comparisons to uh, Kevin Durant. But I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair to compare him to Kevin Durant because he doesn't have the cheat mode scoring touch that Kevin Durant has, you know? When Durant decides to take over a game, the game is over. There's, I don't know anybody who can guard him. But um, Brendan Ingram is more of a Kawhi Leonard slash... Uh, Paul George two-way guy. He's extremely long. He has these long, crazy, gangly arms. Uh, he can score. His game is not relying on physical strength at all because he's super skinny. And most important, the most important, he is dominating the game physically at college level. He moves faster. He, he's, he thinks faster than people. He moves faster than people think. He... It's a, it's a telltale sign that if he has a head on his shoulder, he's going to be a superstar in the NBA. Now, let's talk about the All-Star game. The, the All-Star starters were named last Thursday. Uh, east On the east side, we have Cal Lowry from the hometown Toronto, uh, Dwayne Wade from Miami, LeBron James from Cleveland, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, what do you think about the All-Star starters? Do you actually care? Is there any snub? And are you surprised Toronto did not was not successful with their three in the starting five? Um, I think... The only guy that deserved to start for Toronto was Kyle Lowry. And even then, if you don't want to be a homer and involve every uh, variable in the equation, John Wall was as deserving as him, John Wall from Washington. Um, I think John Wall should have been right next to him instead of Dwayne Wade, uh, because Dwayne Wade has been named basically because he's a superstar. He doesn't have that much left in the tank. Um, otherwise, it's just a token of appreciation for the players. I think this All-Star game is more for the players than for the fans. The guys get together, they play a friendly game. People are happy to yeah, see with their, their people with their family in the whole week, and they get a break, and they can uh, do special events and the dunk contest. And there's a exactly. 
But exactly. I'm still waiting for for me in my mind. I remember when I was a kid, there was a three-point contest, but it never was what I would have liked to be a type of three-point contest. It would be like, okay, you started the three-point, then you go back a foot. Then if you make it, you go back a foot. Then if you make it, you go back a foot. And you go back a foot. Up oh. until you're on the other side of the freaking backcourt and you're called Steph Curry and you're the only one who can drain those one with your coach. Steph Curry, Steph Curry would win every year if it was like that. Hey, at least it'll be quite a showcase to see. Hey, he won last year too. I'm not he surprised. Won. He, he won He down? won against uh, Clay Thompson, his teammate. Yeah, exactly. Because they're the best three-point shooters in the league, and they're in the same team. There were Kyle, there was Kyle Korver there last year who was challenging them in the stats, but they blew him off the water under pressure. No, um, exactly. That's the difference. The Golden State can do it all day, under pressure or not. They'll drain those threes like there's no tomorrow. There, there's these two guys, Thompson and Curry. They're second-generation shooters. They're <laughs> shooting. True. They're shooting <laughs> since they're like three years old. It's so. literally it's it's in their DNA for God's sakes. Exactly, exactly. It, their parents have passed down their talents through their genes. Um, it's yeah, in them. For for the listeners who don't know, um, uh, Clay Thompson is the son of Michael Thompson, who plays played for the. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers in the 19. I think it was the first overall pick, Michael Thompson. Clay oh, was wow. drafted a little later in the uh, first round, but he's probably better than his dad. No, not bad at all. And uh, if we're talking about the Western Conference starters, we have Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, obviously, Golden State Warriors. Kobe Bryant, literally, that's a sentimental choice because he has no business starting as an all-star in the Western Conference not with the year. year he's... He was one of the worst players in the league for the beginning of 20 games. Not this year. He's not worth... Uh, but, you know, it's... He should it's not even send- be in the game. It's a send-off, so... You yes, know, of course. Uh, Nobody's gonna mind when they're watching the game that he's there. But you know what? Um, there's the two other guys I think are Kawhi Leonard and uh, Kevin, Durant. Kevin Durant. Yeah. Just switch, um, switch um, Kobe with Draymond Green, yeah. and I'll take these five players against everybody in the league. I think they would be every would... team day, night in, night out. By thirty a, points. What a murderer's row of players. Can you imagine if Steph Curry just decides to drain some trees with Jermon Green and oh pass the ball? And he's like, oh, Kevin Durant's open. Let's give the ball to him. Oh, wait, Westbrook is open too. But the thing is, Russell Westbrook, he is, honestly, what he is on fire, Russell Westbrook, is one of the most amazing players to watch. And he makes defenses collapse at the rim, so it would be four shooters open all the time with him. He is, him and Curry together, they would destroy nations they would start and win wars together no absolutely it would be quite a murderous role uh, so what are your thoughts on the actual all-star game ben are you a big fan of it are you going to watch it is it something that you don't really mind if you uh just do something else while it's playing um the skills talent is what i like on so the, the night yeah just like hockey i like the, the, the night before not the actual game basically yeah the the uh the point guards, the skill challenge, the three-point challenge, and the dunk contest, of course, is basically why what I watch the uh, the All-Star game for. I don't even watch the All-Star game. Usually, I watch the highlights. Um, maybe maybe the Marcus Cousins should have been added this year. I don't know if you followed this week, but the Marcus Cousins scored 100 points in two games. 
Wow. How crazy is that? He scored 48 one night. He scored 56 the night after. Yeah, it's still not like Will Chamberlain, but yeah, it's close. It's Will Chamberlain's numbers. He, yeah. yeah, but I, he did it in one game, allegedly. Yes. Yeah, basically. But he did it once in one game. But like on a nightly basis, True. Will Chamberlain made like 30, uh, 40 to 50 points on a nightly basis. Boogie Cousins, he's a scary, scary dude. And he can lift Sacramento to a playoff spot if his heart is into it. Last week, we had a big feature game. Uh, what is the game that you are looking forward to this week? If there's one that actually caught your attention. <laughs> I, was, I was browsing this afternoon because I thought you'd ask me the question. <laughs> and there's a game tomorrow that I'm very curious about. Um, it's probably going to be another blowout for the Warriors. But the Warriors are playing the Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks have made life very complicated for everybody this year. So I'm just curious, given the data that the Warriors have given um, um, Rick Carlisle with their crazy playing, what what is go what is going to happen? You know, what is how prepared is will Rick Carlisle be? Uh, I'm really I'm really going to tune into that game. That's for sure. All right, Ben. Thank you very much for joining me once again for Hydro Radio and uh, another great week of basketball ahead of us. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be crazier than the one before. Oh, like that cannot <laughs> really be possible, but still. You see, you see, that's the NBA, man. The NBA is where crazy happens. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. <laughs>